0: This week on Dig and Me I Out With your hosts, a word Jason Zia and Tim Manici
1: Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon you can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at DMOUnion.com or DigMeOutUnion.com. And Jay, I don't know if I've done this. I think I might have done this, but I, I don't know. I, I don't remember. Uh, Jim Copany, Tankboy joined us at Patreon. And I can't remember if I, if I welcomed him to the, to the union.
2: Right. Well, it doesn't, ha- it doesn't hurt to do it twice.
1: Uh, so I'm just going to do it to start of every episode now. It's just going <laughs> to be like a recurring thing where we welcome Jim Copany. To the uh to the dig me out union
2: we just randomly pick somebody else to- right
1: well it's gonna be like Jimmy Kimmel and Matt Damon when he says at the end of the show like apologies to Matt Damon for bumping <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna mm. do that literally until uh, somebody <laughs> stops me uh speaking of the union it's my my patented segue to get to our union members very smooth very thank you very <laughs> much joining us for this episode in the in the past, Jay, the albums he has brought to us include
0: mm-hmm.
1: UMI's Hi-Fi Way, Even's Check. Less Is More, mm-hmm. Ammonia's Mint 400, and right. Powderfinger's Double Allergic. Now, do you, know, do you notice a common thread amongst those records, Jay?
0: Mm, Australia.
1: They're all Australian. So, is it five I for five? It. Is it five for five, Jay? No, it's not. He threw a curveball at us this time. <laughs> um, or uh, if, if, for those of us who are not familiar with American baseball, you might say, uh, <laughs> the, in cricket, you might say, uh, I don't know. I, I watched cricket <laughs> once and I was so confused and uh, I tried to understand it. And then somebody said, like, it will take you like a whole year to understand all the rules of cricket. Wow. But I was engrossed for like four hours watching cricket on – on like Fox Sports yeah. Seven, one. It after.
2: seems exciting.
1: It is. It's wildly exciting, but I have no idea what the rules are. <laughs> it's so confusing. Uh, let's. <laughs> totally got off on a cricket I'm uh, tangent. Uh, welcome back to the show, Darren
3: Leach. How are you, Darren? Doing well. So it's a Sunday here. Sunday. What is it? Five PM.
0: Yes. Uh, and my it's... lovely
3: girlfriend Federica is joining.
0: Hello. As well. Hello, <laughs> Federica. <a> <laughs>
3: Welcome yeah. to the show. Thank you. We went for a nice bike ride today. It was actually quite sunny in London today. So oh, nice. Uh, Sloane Square, which is famous for being in the late seventies where the punks hung out, but now it's very expensive to live in. So of course, mm-hmm. yeah, with a lot of luxury flats and a lot of fake lips. So
0: you know. mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> that's
1: exactly. I mean, that's CBGB's in New York is like yeah. now a condo. There you go. So <laughs> yeah. it's. All the punk spaces get turned into uh, uh, gentrified, uh, cool, urban, hipster hangout places. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah. they suck the soul out of them. I totally understand. So, as I mentioned, you did not go with uh, your fifth pick <laughs> as an Australian band. You threw us a curveball. Could you share with our audience who you picked for this episode?
3: Okay, so I, joined, I, I picked a band called Red Lorry, Yellow Lorry, that old tongue twister uh and the the album's called blasting off uh it was their final album from well 91 or 92 we were talking about this earlier not too sure when it actually officially came out but uh uh their fifth and final record and
0: they're from leeds sorry leeds uh up in north uh, uk
1: that's right and as you mentioned this is their fifth album they actually formed in 90,
0: 1981 mm.
1: Uh, this is one of the rare situations Jay where we're talking about a, a 90s band but really the majority of their career was in the 80s and uh this was the last this was the last uh, record it was literally like they finished making the record and were like we're done.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we're out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Never talk talking to you people again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: that, that's what it was.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, this um a little bit of history.
0: History of the band.
1: Lori, Yellow Lori, they formed in Leeds, like I mentioned, in 90, 1981, uh, it was originally Chris Reed, guitarist and songwriter, along with vocalist Ma- Mark Sweeney, bassist C- Steve Smith, and drummer Mick Brown. Mick Brown would go and join the mission. Yeah. Um, Sweeney left the band, and Chris Reed took over as lead vocalist. And then they added another guitar player. And then this would continue for a long time where there would be a lot of people in and out of the band for only five records over about 10 years. The list of people who are not in the band anymore is like three times as long as people who were actually in the (laughs) band. (laughs) True, true. Dave Wolfenden was in it, I guess the longest next to Chris Reed, but he's not on the record we're talking about. This was a completely new lineup. Chris Reed was like, everybody out. I'm starting over. So on this record, it's Gary Waite on bass guitar and keyboards. George Schultz on, it says acoustic drums and percussion. It's very specific that it says acoustic drums as opposed huh. to electronic drums. I don't know why they needed to specify. And then this is my favorite part. Corky, spelled K-O-R-K, is is uh, given the um, credits of Beatbox and General Brain Damage.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: I saw that. <laughs> What's that mean? I don't know. I feel like him <laughs> and Bez from Happy Mondays should form like this group of guys who don't actually play an instrument in a band, but are there as, as a member of the band. Right. Like the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones had the guy who just danced in a suit the whole time. They just, they just bring the vibes. They just bring the vibes. Like that should be, if there's a musician's union and you're like, what is my role in the band? It should just be <laughs> vibes and not the instrument, like a vibraphone. But Right, right, right. Um,
2: Cosmic type.
1: Y- yes. This was released on a small indie label called Sparkhead, which doesn't even have its own Wikipedia page. That's how small this label is. They actually recorded this in L.A., which is interesting Mm. because I don't don't know why.
3: (laughs) Well, they rarely toured the U.S. They
1: rarely toured the U.S. This didn't come out in the U.S. for a couple years after the actual release. Uh, Okay. They were on, um, their first album came out in 85, and that was on Red Rhino Records, which was an indie uh, label in the U.K. And then I think at one point, didn't they sign to like Beggar's Banquet or with? Yeah, they were with um yeah, third for the third four. record. Yeah. yeah, that's when they were with um Situation 2, which was a like an offshoot of Beggar's Banquet. Mm-hmm. But they got Beggar's Distribution, which is what was important. And like I mentioned, they did break up after this record was made. I think there was like a sort of a reunion. Or, or at least, like, the guy, Chris, re- revived the band name um, for some new songs on the internet, probably through MySpace back in 2004, I'm guessing. Yep. <laughs> um, and there's been, uh, like, a DVD that came out. Yeah,
2: yeah there was, like, a retrospective yep. box set in 2014.
1: And Chris Reed has put out stuff under the name Chris Reed Unit, which is an <laughs> interesting choice of band names. And uh, But I don't have a whole lot after that from him. So I don't know. Do you guys know if he's up to anything
3: else? or? He, what that- he did release um, a solo album, uh, just acoustic stuff. And there was some uh, Red Lorry. Let's call them the Lorries, The Lurries, um, you know, version acoustic versions on that. But I read that they reformed in 2003 and that Dave Wolfenberg, or whatever his name is, rejoined the band. Uh, okay. And, and they last gigged. In 2015, and there's nothing after that. Chris has done some solo stuff after that.
4: Wolfie as well. But, but collaborating not, yeah. as well with other American artists, actually. I don't know. I don't remember the name of that. But,
3: yeah. yeah, they've all got these other bands that they're, mm. they're, they're working right. with. But, uh, the Lorries, 2015, done. Yeah. They were apparently big in Germany. I was looking at setlist of them. <laughs>
0: <Yeah.
3: and laughs> heaps of gigs yep. in Germany. It's mm. them and Hasselhoff. Those are like the two biggest, <laughs> the
1: two biggest artists. Now you, you did something interesting. You suggested this and it got into our January poll. Correct. But then it was like clear. It wasn't going to win. Yeah. And you're like, screw it. I'm making it my pick. <laughs>
0: correct, so it correct.
1: actually, it got uh, some comments in that January poll, which I'm going to dig up now. Oh, cool. I missed those. Um, and Gavin. Uh,
2: on the uh, the release while you're doing that, Tim. Yeah, the release on Apple Music is through Rhino, oh. and it's funny because <laughs> it also has the conflicting dates. There's both a 91 date and a 92 date. There you go. In well, the listing, so
1: on the main page for the band, it says that the album was released in 92. But when you click on the the link to go to the album, yeah, it says 91. Yeah, so they're just messing with us at this point. <laughs> That's what's happening. Um. So Gavin Reed said, cool list. I actually own six of these. I listened to them all and liked them, which is a first. I disregarded Quicksand and Soul Coughing as those bands have been covered. I voted for the Wonder Stuff and Red Lori, Yellow Lori, as I feel they play music that has been least represented here. Yes, I'm finally doing multiple votes, votes despite not liking it. <laughs> it's like taking medicine. He's like, I understand the importance, but I don't like this, the flavor of this cough syrup. <laughs> Um, he said, I do hope we get some love battery at some point. We did. We got some love battery. We got, we ended up getting. That was to a them. good album, by the way. Yeah. Yep. I've never uh, heard them before, but uh, yeah. And uh, I think that might've been it because unfortunately uh, that they lost to letters to Cleo and uh, quicksand and only got four votes in that poll. So well,
0: we didn't get two to a fans out there.
1: So good on them. There exactly. Hmm. Jay, had you ever heard this band before? I had not. I had not. In fact,
2: the band name is kind of terrible (laughs) to the point where where I I was questioning whether this is a real thing. I was like, all right, is Darren fucking with us? (laughs) Because this doesn't sound like a real band. And then I looked it up and their whole catalog was on Apple Music. I was like, all right, here we go. I guess it's real. I had never
1: heard of them. What's funny is that the first time I put it on, I go, I kind of feel like I've heard this before, but I don't know why. And I could not trace where that would have come from. It's just like maybe his voice sounded familiar, but it might have been just because of, of another vocalist that sounds close to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only thing that made me think, oh, I've heard this band, is if you go, if the beginning of the song taking, talking back, and we'll get into the review in a second. Yeah. I was like, what does that sound like? What does that sound like? And then I was like, I, it sounds like some sort of nine or 80s alternative band. And I can't remember what it sounds like. I was like, "Is that the Talking Heads?" And then I went to the Talking Heads albums, and I was like scrolling through on Spotify. I'm like, "Oh, this kind of sounds like the beginning of Wild Wild Life by the by the Talking Heads. Just that like steady drum beat with the dan it, yeah. dan it. That's the only thing I could compare them like in terms of like, <laughs> oh, what does this sound like? That was it. Nothing yeah. else. Nothing else came up. So there you go. Let's do what we do, Jay. Let's talk about this album. Enough of the fluff. Uh Tell me one thing you liked about Blasting Off by Red Lori, Yellow Lori.
2: I connected with the the strong guitar leads and melodies, and then the interplay with this vocal that's dark, a little gothy. It's a very deep uh delivery. I guess my touch point for it would be like the relationship between Ian Asbury and Billy Duffy of the cult, where you've got this, you know, really melodic um catchy guitar that you know sometimes gets a little affected and and atmospheric but also can cut through and be you know pretty anthemic and then you've got the singer that's singing in this lower tone um can be super emotive you know I think Asbury has a, a lot more range than's represented here but that dynamic between the two of those elements of the band to me was really really worked well um and the guitars are not only hooky and sort of pull you into the melody they're also kind of hypnotic and atmospheric they, they, they blur between like popping out and really grabbing your ear with something and then dropping back and being this bed of um, either like kind of stabbing notes or droney things to just create this sort of middle layer of dark atmosphere on the record I think that also really complements the vocal a ton the two come together to to really, you know create something new out of the, you know the, the elements and pieces and parts they're putting together. Uh, i like the I like the vocal a lot. I think that's probably the strongest part of the record for me, like, right away. I'm a sucker for this kind of delivery, um, especially when it's done in a really melodic way, which this is this does uh, to the point where like a song, uh, you know, you start with This Is Energy, which is kind of this brooding delivery, and you think you're in for a pretty dark record, but then you get to something like Train of Hope, which is almost Simple Minds-ish, and it gets very hooky. Sort of elevates to this other more popish kind of place that I didn't necessarily think the album could get to, but you know, I think both ends of that were working pretty well. Um I think there's some great like, vocal performances on here as well. Uh getting a little emotive in in my mind, even maybe getting to a like a higher tone and getting out of the sort of the the bellowy kind of vibe. Uh and then underneath I think there's some pretty good driving Rhythms and song structures going on here. Um, it's on fire, and Train of Hope are good examples of you know they kick out of that drone a bit and they kind of go in and out of it, which I think is really effective for an album. So you're not stuck in one mode. They can you know put a little energy into things from a rhythm rhythm section standpoint and amp stuff up a little bit, which plays well I think with his vocal delivery as well to kind of push it. So you're not stuck in this kind of mid tempo droney kind of place. Um, so yeah, those are some of the things that came together for me. I think overall it's a, it's a pretty unique sounding record, even though I, you know, I can hear things here and there of other bands. I think the way it comes together, it's, um, you know, at times it's even shoegazy. So I think it, it brings together a lot of elements in a very
1: unique way. What
2: we'll worked for you, Tim?
1: Well, a lot of what you said, I think I found myself, listening to this record and going okay this is obviously like like a post-punk kind of gothy uh influenced band but then i was listening to like this is energy and if you speed that up just a little bit that's the stooges that Hmm. guitar riff and i and like that's he has like an iggy pop almost vocal like not in the terms of like his cadence but just in in his like just that deep voice yeah And I started to hear like that element of the band where like, there's definitely like a, a proto punkish vibe to this record that is mixed in with the, you know, the reverb gives it that gothy with his vocal. It gives you that big echoing kind of, especially when headphones on, you hear it a lot more presently uh, with regards to the, the big echo sound in his vocal. But, that worked really well for me because sometimes I listen to those bands like the mission or whatever. And I'm like, I just want a little more beef to this. I want a little more teeth to yeah. this guitar part or that. And it, like this band really hit that. And I'm guessing it's Chris Reed doing the majority of the songwriting and, and, you know, arranging and all that kind of stuff since he basically hired the band for this record. And that it just works on that level. Like these are very, energetic songs like it's on fire and don't think about it like i think the the thing that caught my ear was after listening to it over and over again either on speakers or with my headphones it's like there's some really cool hooks on this record that come back that i wasn't expecting especially for i mean this sounds super 80s in terms of production Mm -hmm. but not so much that it's like when we did that lime spiders record for the 80s episode to wrap up Last year, there was so much reverb and it was so drenched in that that you were yeah. like, oh, I kind of need you to dial that back a little bit so I can actually hear what's going on with some of this stuff. But he's just got he's got the right amount where, yeah, it sounds like it doesn't belong in 1991 per se. But there were bands in that era that we've talked about that like 90, 91, that still had that like element of 80s production. Yeah, and you and you got it a little bit with the with this record.
2: I think the reverb and delay sound like an instrument on this record, like they're using it to blend things together and to create a mood and a, you know, a bed for the rest of the, uh, so for the, for the rest of the instruments to live in. Sometimes, especially in this era, early '90s, that reverb becomes a hindrance, like it's mm-hmm. unnecessary. You know, so.
1: And you mentioned Simple Minds. I mean, it's obvious to connect them to other. Um, 80s bands because of the production and his voice, but I, I also got some like psychedelic furs, especially the, mm, yeah. the, the stuff that Richard Butler did, like a lot with that, like Love Spit Love mm. uh, album that we talked about years ago. You know, he's got that big, deep voice. Um, he writes interesting phrases and melodies that almost sound speaky at times, they don't, ne- there aren't always just crooning. Yeah. Um, and it, in the way that I love Richard Butler, because he's so unique, um, I, I dug the, the, the way that Chris Reed was singing on this record as well.
0: Yeah.
1: So there was a lot to, lot to dig. You mentioned, Darren, that you and Federico have sort of gotten into this band in the last couple of years. What works best for for both of you on this record?
3: For me, I think what drew, drew me in was the guitar tones. Um, I think, because we, we were just discovering all these kind of old 80s bands, Uh, like there was Sad Lovers and Giants. I don't know if you know any of these, but Sad Lovers and Giants. There was Snake Corpse, The Chameleons you might be familiar Mm -hmm. with. I got into them a while ago, but like, yeah, Sad Lovers and Giants, Snake Corpse, The Sound, you know, bands like that. I think I was just trying to, I I just love that sound. So, and then these guys came along. We we think we discovered them from um, Spotify. Spotify. You know how they do that. If you like this band, you like this band. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. think we just we just discovered them by then. For, but for me, it was just yeah, the guitar tone was just so good. Uh, the first album I got into, um, talk about the weather, and then obviously I loved it. And just I'm I'm still that guy who wants to know what else is in the catalog and will just listen to something endlessly, and you know listen to all the B sides and all that kind of thing. But for me, the guitar tone works so well with his voice, and then you've got the you got the bass just thumping away and the drums. And nothing's too loud. Everything just is at the right levels. Um, and I, I love the tracks like uh, I Can See Stars and Talking Back. I, I just think those are magnificent. And obviously Chris has a knack for a guitar riff. Like this is the fifth album. Yeah. The fifth album since, well, I know they formed in 81, but the first album came out in 85. It was just like, hey, how are you still writing really cool guitar licks, you know, five albums in? How how was that not really you know used on the first or second album? So just shows he's you know got a knack for that.
4: Um, Yeah, definitely. I agree with all of you uh, in respect of the sound. So what I like is this sort of dichotomy you can find between the voice, which is pretty calm, so never gets angry, uh, and the sound, which is much stronger. Uh, I I love that. And this is something that really struck me when I I heard the album first time. Um, Second thing for me is... Um, lyrics so I really put a lot of attention to, to lyrics and what I like is that they're not just talking about love love as, as usual mm. <laughs> it's something that I really don't like most of the time in, in bands so what I like is that he's basically talking about the world around him so how he feels about what's happening around him and one thing that he's saying is what what's happening to this world which really struck me because in this sense Is something that I can relate to and I I liked it. And I said, yeah, I I think the same, which is kind of weird because we normally have a very romantic idea of the 90s. (laughs) So uh, somebody who's saying that in the 90s, they say like, oh, so they already thought that there was something going wrong. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's why I mainly uh, like them. Um, And another thing is the length. Of the album. I think forty minutes is thirty nine yeah, something. Boom. Ten
3: tracks.
4: It's yeah. absolutely perfect. Gives you the vibe. Uh, it's amazing. You have the experience of the album. You can. You have the time to take in it and then think about it. Uh, one thing that I probably <laughs> no, I'm sure I didn't like it. Um, it's the co- it's the cover album and it's lazy.
1: Oh, the cover? It's just weird. Yeah. <laughs> the cover. <Yeah. laughs>
4: Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. That was a little bit lazy, in my opinion. But yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, you have no idea what the band's gonna sound like based on that <laughs> album cover.
4: Exactly. This is a, Even a the name, asking up.
1: <laughs> yeah. This is a problem we're running into. The last record we did with uh, Letters to Cleo, that album cover was terrible. We're reaching yeah, I... we're reaching that point in some 90s records where you're like <laughs> This is a bad album cover.
2: <laughs> I, I think we need to make that part of our review going forward. It's pretty interesting to look at sometimes when yes, uh, the L Mart, especially for bands that were under appreciated or you know sort of under the radar, which we focus on. You know, in this period, you're you're finding bands sometimes flipping through, out you know, bins at stores and buying records based on album covers or what you think they might sound like. So it certainly doesn't help in this era if you your album cover is just like nondescript or not, not good.
1: It, it looks like, I don't know. What is it? A compass on top of <laughs> like a red I don't
0: know.
1: there's some rain, raindrops. some drops. Yeah. I think that's supposed to, maybe that's metal, uh, w- water on metal. I'm not sure yeah. the way it's beating,
0: mm-hmm. but it's like, it doesn't
1: tell you anything. It could be, <laughs> it could be anything, this record. So yeah, that, that it needed a back.: be-
4: can be the front of the truck of the lorry. <laughs>
1: Can you explain what a lorry is for our English, or not English, but our American listeners? Because I don't think everybody knows oh, what a yeah. lorry is. I didn't even think
3: about that. Well, in, in Australia, we call them semi-trailers. So they're, they're just trucks, really. I don't know. What what do you call them? But, but bigger trucks. Semis. Yeah. Semi, yes. Tractor
1: trailer. So this yeah. is basically red truck, yellow truck is the name of exactly. the band.
2: <laughs> There's a uh, singles collection from 95. Where the the type, the cover is a red truck and a yellow truck.
3: Yeah, that's true. So yeah, and they're it, on it. it
2: yeah. is right on the nose. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean, on they should have been using truck imagery for like basically every album cover, but like in different ways. Like get one of those like Rat Fink album covers with uh, with you know the the drawing of like the uh, the rat on the on a on a tractor trailer <laughs> in that cartoon style of the 1970s. Like you got You got to play that up. Because otherwise you're just like I, wouldn't pick the, like, I wouldn't pick this up in a CD bin in the 90s because I'd be flipping through and I'd be like, I don't know what that is. Well, even now, if you're
2: flipping through a bin here, right, wouldn't and uh, you have no idea what this band is, the album cover is not going to help you say yeah. like, oh, yeah. this is probably a 90s band or something I might be interested in. I should pick it up for a buck. Like like,
3: I, I, I think the name is. you'd just go, no, Red laureate. What? That's a stupid thing. Yeah.
4: It's probably from a riddle. Well,
3: it's a tongue twister. Tongue
4: twister, yeah.
3: Uh, red lorry, yeah. It, 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 oh, red, okay. Yeah, red lorry, yellow lorry. You, you can't say it. You say that. Say that fast ten times. You can't. Red lorry, <laughs> no. yellow
1: lorry. Red lorry, yellow lorry. Red <laughs> lorry, yellow lorry. Red lorry, yellow lorry. Red lorry, yellow lorry. Red lorry, yellow lorry. <laughs> I, I concentrated mean, really hard. Yeah, to need to take a nap. I knew I needed my afternoon nap was going to come early. <laughs> Jape. Yeah. What did you? How did you? Um, feel about the rhythm
0: section of this band In terms
2: of performance uh, It was it, I like the variation in bass tones. Uh, I think that helped a lot. In fact, they even bring in some synth bass, which I think works really well. The drumming is pretty sterile. At times, I think they're probably using a drum machine. Um, I think that's probably the why. There's a distinction you said earlier between live drums and or performance and. An actual drum machine.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: it's certainly not the. It, it's a fine enough bed, I think. It's certainly not the star, of the star of the record. I think it's a bed for the guitars and the vocals. Doesn't how, contribute a ton.
1: Yeah, that's how I kind of felt like. There's a lot of energy in the guitar. I think hitting on the cult was a really good combination like a uh, uh, or comparison with the way that like Billy Duffy would write, like really powerful interesting guitar parts sometimes the drums weren't always up to what he was doing and I feel like it's the same way yeah like there's I think sterile is the right way there's just like not a ton of interesting stuff going on with the drums and I think that that's that's the downside of this production is like even when you just have solid drums because they are you know echoing or, or you get that reverb it makes them sound big but then making them sound big also makes them more apparent and you're like, oh, well, that's not, there's not much going on there.
2: What's, uh, so you, you're listening to a different source than me, right? You have files. Yes. Um. So my biggest issue with this record is I'm listening to it lossless streaming through Apple Music, so super high quality. Um. I don't know if it's a transfer issue or if this is just the way it's recorded, but it is very noisy and not like there's a lot of vocal sibilance like you hear him like a lot of pops and tss, and the, the whole middle of the record where there's like all this ambient stuff going on in atmosphere it sounds like especially when you listen to it loud it sounds like a, like a bad mp3 did, did that come across to you at all were you, did you
1: there were a couple points where the that synth bass yeah. sounded like it was cracking in like yeah. just little tiny parts here and there. It was like, K-k-k. and I was like, is that the transfer? Or is that what they, is that what just what the synth bass was doing? The
2: version I'm listening to, like most of the vocals and even some of the lead guitars are like that through the whole record. Like they're, they're almost peaking. I mean, they are, like you're hearing them distort and like break up. And then when you listen to like, like I said, that middle stuff, you start to notice like, wow, this sounds like a really poor quality mp3 from 2002 that you would have downloaded on napster (laughs) so had i had the files like you had i would have just assumed like oh this is just a low quality file but i'm listening to a lossless through apple music and it sounds that way and i'm wondering if there was a transfer issue at some point or or if this is the way the record's supposed to sound darren what, what does it sound like to you do you notice any stuff like that or does it sound pretty clean
3: Mine's from an MP3. Um no, I've listened to in cans and on speakers and hey, next time I'm actually going to take a closer listen. But I I didn't notice that at all, to be honest. Yeah.
1: Maybe we just got uh, bad versions.
2: Well, (laughs) it makes me wonder now that we talked about the history of this record, release being fuzzy, rhino isn't I don't know, my impression of them is not always high in quality, like they're mostly a distribution label that finds archival stuff and puts it out. And I'm wondering if maybe there was a, there's a technical issue going on here. Cause it's when you listen to the vocal, it's very obvious. Like a lot of the times, like it is yeah, well, definitely peaking all the stuff that you try to take out of our podcast Tim, when we you know, <laughs> you're hot on the mic, you know, and it breaks up and it sounds bad. Like right, a lot of it sounds like that.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I was just looking to see like what the, Release was for so they did do like a vinyl version, which came out on Death Wish Office oh Records. Okay, um, and then what's weird is and on, on Discogs, they only have CD releases for the US and Germany, yeah. <laughs> and the and the, in Europe, it's a album an LP, and then you could also get it on cassette in the US how much how many people have it on cassette? well that
3: that label it was a German label. okay so what what I think I see because you know discogs can't, isn't always hundred percent right. I think it was just German pressing for the European market. Got it, which is very common.
1: So. I just find it odd that there was no CD version that is is marked for Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean I'm sure the German version was out there but yeah. This you, you is right after the wall being, uh,
0: fell. But those yeah. Germans you were think, busy. You with think being stuff.
1: a UK band, they'd get distribution here So, Gotcha. Uh, so, yeah. Um, is there anything that doesn't work on the record for you guys or things that bother you with either the production or the or the sound or the or
3: the lyrics or anything like that? I, I didn't have much to be honest. And I because obviously I anticipated this. Um, but the, <laughs> the only the only song I didn't like was Sea of I just found it a bit repetitive and quite derivative it's trying to sound like everything else on the album give me
0: pleasure give me pain take it all and back again sometimes it's too late
3: mistakes I've been crying too long I didn't seem
0: to notice it Creeping up on me I was drowning in a sea of tears drowning
3: because you know when you listen to something you're getting into it and then i don't know if you you think the same but sometimes i just go what is this like halfway through the song you just go what is this and you just finish it off but then uh, the the track after that is one of my favorites so there you go i think it's just something if you own the vinyl record you won't skip it or anything like that but if it's on um spotify i'd I'd probably skip it from (laughs) from now on but uh, i just found it a bit uh, it sounded
2: a bit like a demo to me like it wasn't quite the chorus wasn't quite figured out yet
0: yeah, yeah, I like
4: that. I yeah, I agree. I I think I, it's like the album is actually divided in two because the first the first six songs I believe they're pretty strong and you kind of get into them and like yeah 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 I'm liking this I'm liking this and then after the seventh song I think you go like oh <laughs> but that's, that's the end, a, that's the end of I, it so I really like I,
3: I felt but one of my favorite songs is track nine yeah I okay. I. Felt, I thought it Driving was right. Me was a good uh, ending so I disagree with
4: her. <laughs> no for me it was like the beginning was amazing I said oh my god I'm liking every song and yeah I really got into it and then by the end I was like yeah okay. But okay. <laughs> for, for the last three two three songs yeah. Mm.
1: I, I do I like Driving Me as well.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think Driving Me is a good closer because I think I feel like a lot of bands throw the the slow song or the you know, the experimental song at the end. And I like that yeah. this is just a concise. And you mentioned the length earlier, Federico. Like, this is a really good length. 40 minutes, yeah. boom. None of these songs overstay their welcome. Talking back is a little bit long, but I, I don't punish it for that. Um, but, like, this is ideal. Yeah, five and a half minutes, yeah. I think having the, the LP version probably helped them not fall into the CD trap. Because if this was just a CD release, they might have thrown another five songs on here. But since... Um, you had to- just,
3: just to interject, uh, talking back, there was actually a radio edit of three and a half minutes that got. That was the only single released. So really, what that was yeah, their single on the, um, on the CD single and the twelve-inch. Yeah, apparently track one and track two the same tracks, but one's the radio edit, one's the LP. Huh. So, there you go. Yeah. Put, put it's that like on the, the album. least.
2: Mm. Single-worthy song on the record. It's like very uh, only
3: of course. <laughs> you know, only
2: <laughs> it's like a almost like a dance track. I mean, it's mm. le, it's the least like um pop song-struckered song on the record. It's kind of a lot of like repeating and mm. yeah. Hmm. So cut
3: it down. Like,
2: yeah, yeah, five and a half
3: minutes. Seems a bit long. Like, there's no dynamic to that, that song,
2: right? Mm. Maybe it was like a, a club song or something.
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Maybe they did like a 12-inch remix for yeah. uh, for um, the clubs. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> I don't uh, know. We, we've got a we've got an interesting story. Um, how we we've, we we've got them on we've got them on vinyl, except for this album actually. But we're in York, which is you know York, you know middle of uh, the UK, and we will walk. And York is actually a walled city, so we're walking around this wall. Pretty cool. And of course, wherever wherever we go, I've got to go on Discogs and see where all the record stores are, because um, I don't know if you use the map, but um, exactly. I've seen it. Yes,
4: we plan our trips. <laughs> we plan our trips,
3: yeah, <laughs> and, and <craft> <laughs> But we we have, we we did a search and we went to a couple, and then we happened to be walking on the, around the wall, and we happened just to stop. And I went, I, I went ball, looking but... down, and I went, "There's a record store," and it wasn't on the map. And we went in there. There's this. You know the the store's the size of someone's small bedroom. Yeah. And lo and behold, they had four of their albums on vinyl for you know like five to eight pounds each. And of course, we bought them. It was like someone had obviously sold their collection except for the last album. And <laughs> Of course, you, you buy them. You, you just don't often see that nowadays. Everything ends up on eBay or Discogs. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Walking into a store, you just go, "Hell yeah, I'm going to buy these," even though I hadn't heard at that time probably the third or fourth album well maybe once but it was just like let's get them because you never see this kind of stuff so it was pretty cool going to york and yeah just yep, i'll take them all like somebody
2: had offloaded their whole collection or something sorry so like someone had offloaded their whole collection there Yeah, i think so yeah Yeah.
3: and and the guy wasn't even selling on ebay or discog so that's that's, that's the best
1: (laughs) and he isn't affected by the discogs Price inflation, yeah. and he's just—it well, right. must be the wall around York. It must block out discogs. <laughs> 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 yeah. Is we that is that an old wall? Is that like a castle wall from uh, yeah. from hundreds yeah. of years ago? Excellent. Yeah. Wow. Right. That's, that's my uh, that's my jam right there. I like watching those
3: shows on Netflix about castles. In, and mo- uh, most of it's still there. So you know, if you walk the whole thing, it would take you a good hour. So it's that's very cool. Great city. Yeah. Recommended
2: so if you were to pick a record from the full catalog i know this is the only one in the 90s which one would you have picked is there a record Uh, in the 80s that's better
3: i'd have to do the obvious the the debut is is just really good it was my introduction to the band so um and it's kind of the the scene for the band like i don't think they change much from their sound but they just seem to uh on the next subsequent release just you know, somehow change it up and you, it keeps your interest. So, yeah, so talk about the weather. And that's only eight tracks, you know? <laughs> so, nice, yeah. Yeah. Um, I did get, I did. you were talking about this earlier, Tim. This is the Rhino, Rhino Records um, release. So it's the four CDs. It doesn't include Blasting Off, um, but it's got like all the B-sides and everything. Nice. And I think we picked this up for like 10 quid, which is about 15 US dollars. So Right really good um yeah oh it's in, i think i think it's rhino but i think it's cherry red records cherry red, who, yeah. who do it so. cherry red always puts out good stuff yeah. that's where i got I the um marion
1: their two albums came out with uh like every b-side and live track yeah. and everything and i picked those up yeah cherry i like red. it's
3: the clamshell and there's always a there's a booklet in there and we, we got the same for sad lovers and giants and the sound so yeah like i don't still i don't yes. mind buying. The, the essence. So essence is another band like the Snake Corps and Sad Lovers and Giants. So, the essence sounds
1: very much like a night or like an eighties uh goth new wave. They style.
4: sound like the Cure. They sound
3: like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes they, they sound exactly. We are the essence. You know. So, so you know who they are. Oh, great. <laughs> Breathe us in. Yeah.
4: like they are super popular in Spain. They love them.
3: <laughs>
0: really?
4: Probably more than than the Cure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. That's,
1: that's crazy. Uh, Jay, so listening to this, knowing this came out in 91, 92, knowing that this was apparently going to be, you know, they, they made the record in the US. They made it, they had a CD at some point out in the US. But I cannot imagine this. Maybe the college radio would have caught on to this a little bit, depending if they had some promotion. But then the band broke up immediately. So, like, I, I don't even know who would want to be promoting it because they're not going to be touring. They're not going to do any radio appearances or anything like that. So like, I mean, you're, you're pretty much screwed from the start, but like musically, this would be a hard sell except um, for like college, college radio, specialty yeah. shows, maybe agree. Hmm.
0: I heard
2: some similarities to, like I mentioned, some shoegaze, you know, there are moments on this record where it gets close to a Catherine wheel vibe for me. I think the problem So that would work really well in the U.S. in 91 from a college radio standpoint. Um, My Bloody Valentine, even like you could hear some of these songs being in that space and working well in the U.S. I think the issue is that that's not most of the record. I think the record has more than that to offer Mm -hmm. and those bands, you know don't do that. Like that whole genre is about like, this is our sound. Every song is like this. Like, that's what you're paying for, right? It's 40 <laughs> minutes of this. And that's not what this record is. I think there's too much variety. So mm. it, it would be a head scratcher uh, beyond a couple of tracks, I think for that audience. But that was my only thought of like, how does this find some level of you know success or breakthrough in the U S and it's right. Probably that Avenue in 91.
1: Yeah. And if you think about the contemporaries that we were talking about with regards to either the, the more new wave end with like Simple Minds or, or Psychedelic First, or then like a band like The Mission, those bands weren't like huge anymore by the time that 90, 91, right. 92 rolls around. Like this was very out of style. Richard Butler was like, I don't know what to do anymore. I'm just going to start another band right. with my yep. brother and try something else, try to be a little more American with the production essentially uh but yeah i this would have been a tough uh tough one to find quite honestly at the time and then throwing the weird elm cover on you're not doing
3: it any favors <laughs> yeah. so um yeah. i'd like to know the story of why they released it in the u.s two years later like what what's the what was the thinking someone must have you know just gone yep great idea let's let's do it and they- longer but let's do it
1: I wonder if like the catalog just got purchased or something and they were like, well, let's just throw everything out because everything mm. alternative is selling now. Yeah. So let's see what happens if we just put it on the market. Yeah. Cause I can't, I could not figure out why that would be yeah. the this, this situation, but oh, well uh, let's get into our overall ratings on this record. Jay, is it a worthy album better EP or a decent single? Where do you land?
2: It's a worthy album. I need to um, I need to get a better version of it or see if your version of it sounds better than what's on streaming because it's a huge issue for me in uh, enjoying it. But I think the sound of the band is unique. I, I love it. It's hitting that late 80s, early 90s place uh, in a really successful way. And we often can't say that. A lot of bands struggled in this time transitioning from the 80s to the 90s and trying to figure out what their sound's going to be and i think they nail um a lot of cool elements that are you know both kind of experimental atmospheric but also super catchy i mean i'm surprised like one listen to this record i found myself walking around the house like humming or remembering hooks from this record which i didn't anticipate uh, honestly and uh you know as i get older this this style I think of music, the style of vocal is for whatever reason appealing to me and connects really well. So it's also um, a cool find in that in that way. Anytime I can ban- find bands that are with have this sound, but also carry with them like strong songwriting and melodic um, sensibilities. That's that's usually a sweet for me. So despite some of the sound issues I have with it, I think it's it's a worthy album. How about you?
1: I concur. It's a worthy album for me uh there is a lot to like it about it with regards to what you said i also think that this just has a cool energy to it um it's it it doesn't overstate its welcome it's up tempo for the most part i i think chris reed has a cool delivery um in the same way that like i you know it's not going to connect with everybody in the same way that like um what's his name from girls against boys like you either like that vocal or you don't like that vocal because it's very specific mm-hmm. and i think that he this just works with and i think if the wrong music was backing him it would not work but he's able to find the exact right tone of everything whether it's the guitars and there are some effects on the guitars that are cool little things here and there that he's doing that all adds up to a, just a really interesting and, and unique sound that pulls from a lot of different things that you're familiar with but it all comes together in kind of a unique way here. That's it's, it's a cool record that you can listen to over and over again is it doesn't feel that um, tired. It it sounds It sounds fresh in a way that I didn't expect, which is
2: yeah. There there are bands like new bands, you know, trying the sound again. So Mm -hmm. from that aspect, it, it did sound kind of contemporary, even though it's, you know, you can almost see it as like a retro thing, like a new band could have this sound, and be calling back to the 80s and early 90s.
1: Yep. What about the two of you?
3: Are yeah. we are we in the ballpark? We're the, the album. Yeah, definitely the album. Take out uh, well, I'll I'll listen less to Sea of Tears, but hey, it's it's not that bad. Um it's an album well, track. I,
1: sorry? It's an Didn't album you know? track. We we gotta get the album tracks, yeah, sure.
3: you know, at some point. But no, I, I agree with you, it doesn't overstay as well, and it's 40 minutes, but I I like how they, they did keep their sound, but they kept it fresh each subsequent album. Um, for me, the previous album is called Blow, and that, that's the one I least listened to. It's kind of a step down for me. Um, but I like how they, like, I don't know why they went to LA to record this, but I'm glad that they didn't, say, change their production style where, you know, the guy, whoever the producer was, went, look, we've got to do this because everyone else is doing this. You know, I'm glad right. they stayed true to their sound. You know, um, and for me, they went out on a bang you know well a blast huh. pun intended um <laughs> i'm just yeah and yeah, it does sound fresh doesn't it it does not sound dated you know it yes it sounds it, it's it sounds like it's from the 80s like because obviously all their whole entire output is is the 80s but for me it doesn't sound dated and that, that's why i like going back to um to this
4: i think it's a perfect sample of horse tongue and yep. by the way guys, if we keep saying that they sound kind of goth, <laughs> they would get pretty upset. <laughs> I don't like that
3: apparently.
1: Yeah.
4: Apparently he said in in a podcast, he said, we were punk with <laughs> with the accent. With the accent from the um from the mouth mm, yeah, English. The north, so yeah. they they actually stated it, they, right. they felt punk and their sound is definitely pop punk
3: yeah, he was. It was Dave uh, Waltham, and whatever his name is. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. They said they were influenced by Wire. And you mentioned the Stooges earlier, but they, he said the MC5. So the MC5 and Stooges, they're pretty similar. So you are wow. you're bang on, Jim. So. Yeah, I mean, I can hear the
1: post-punk. I, I guess when I think of post-punk, I think of a little bit more minimalism. Like you mentioned Wire, Wire can be real stripped down like yeah, and right. minimalistic. Same thing with a like Gang of Four where yeah. every instrument is like so separated and, and abrasive, whereas this just has like, there is a, a mood that you can't necessarily easily come by that this record creates, um, which I think is why it gets that goth tag because yeah. it's the, the deep voice and there's some, you know, reverb and, and all that kind of stuff. So it is kind of, I can understand why they would think it's like a lazy comparison to say, oh, it's just a goth band. But yeah. uh, you know, sometimes people who are listening with fresh ears that haven't been in the band or in the studio are go, "Oh, you guys are making a goth record." And like, no, I'm not, <laughs> not making that record. Like, well, that's what I hear. I'm sorry. Like, once you make it, I get to interpret it as I please. I don't have right. to uh, stick to your, uh, you know, interpretation. But I, pr- I would like to go back and hear the earlier stuff just to see, since they got you know immediately pegged as as goth sounding mm-hmm. i would like to know what the difference is between the first record and the last record in comparison yeah. so luckily uh, i think that one i think is that streaming can i go check out that one the first it-
3: four are here
1: I'm yeah, just to see,
3: because obviously this box that i've got has all the extra b-sides and singles because as i said they even though they formed in 81 they released Three seven inches, which are not on the first album. So then they released eight new tracks. So what's the first album called? Uh Talk About the Weather. So
1: on Spotify, it's released, it's listed as they have talk about the weather slash paint your wagon.
3: Released. Okay, paint your wagon is album number three.
1: Oh, uh,
2: that's a compilation. Two.
1: And it's released, it two. shows the released year is 1979. <laughs>
3: which which doesn't make Apple any Music sense. Has that
2: as, has that as ninety-four.
3: <laughs> yeah, you're right. It says it on Spotify here as well. But uh, to Paint Your Way to yeah, is the second album, and then yeah, Blow is uh, nothing wrong. Eighty-eight, Blow eighty-nine. So.
0: Yeah, Apple Music like 80, has a...
3: eighty-six. Sorry, eighty-five, then eighty-six, eighty-eight, eighty-nine. Like these, these albums were pumped out. So yeah.
2: Oh yeah, in the eighties, people. There was there was
3: a, there was a lot of um, well, yeah, there was a, there was like an EP as well. That was not on an album, like none of the tracks were on the album. So there's a lot for you to discover, you know, because when I got that box set, it was like, oh, my God, there's so many more tracks. Like uh, the first album is eight tracks, but there's like another 10 or so other tracks besides other singles, you know, non-LP singles. So yeah. I
1: understand where that album, came, album cover came from with regards to the, the trucks, the red and the yellow. That was like their first seven inch. So they must have reused the uh. artwork. For the 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 singles collection or the very best of collection, um, because it's the same same thing.
0: And so the the of,
2: talk about the weather on Apple Music has, like you said, uh, Darren, an extra ten tracks or so. Yeah, bonus tracks.
3: Just looking at the back of the box, yeah, like CD one is nineteen tracks, CD two is twenty two tracks, CD three is eighteen, and the final one is fourteen. So there's plenty of extra tracks to um discover
1: well thank you for bringing this record to us because we definitely would not have located at our own and though it did fail in the poll i'm glad you rescued it (laughs) because this was
3: a cool record for us to check out um i threw it in there but yeah obviously you, you want to throw stuff in the hopper so people want you know try and discover it as well like uh there's plenty I don't know in any of these polls, but I, I just make sure I go to um, Spotify. Like Love Battery, for example. I, didn't, I never heard of them before, which is odd, but Love That record, for example. Right. So I hope people went out and just uh, had a listen. Like Gav. What oh. on, Gav.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: yeah, I think uh, I'm, I've been pleasantly surprised everybody's, that is uh, voting, seems to be also spending time listening to the records, which is cool. Mm. At least, at least sampling them on YouTube or something.
3: Yeah, yes. and let us to, to clear. I'd never heard of, and I liked. I liked most of the, the album. I, there were some tracks I didn't. I didn't thought uh, fit on the album, but uh, liked it. I went. That's pretty cool.
1: So you didn't hear uh, their their bigger single here and now, when that came out, was that not a big thing in the UK or Australia? Well, obviously, I would have been
3: in Australia when that yeah. came out. Yeah. So Interesting is it's so long ago so <laughs> yeah but I, when i heard it i i i had i don't think my ears had uh, heard that before so. gotcha yeah.
1: well for the folks listening at home if you would like to suggest an album that ends up in one of our polls you can do so by going to digmeoutpodcast.com and going to the suggest an album page you just dropped your your name in there or i mean your email address and your and your name and or do you even put your name yeah you put your name jay right we know who who suggests these things
2: yes and you also have to pitch why we
1: should review it yes so just to give us a couple lines and say uh you know i think this is a cool record that you guys haven't talked about uh please make sure to check our archive because i have noticed that stuff comes in and they're like you should check out this album like we did that 14 years ago. Yeah.
4: We'll try
2: to follow up when we can with a link to the review. But
1: that's uh, <laughs> yeah, worth doing
2: a quick search in the search bar to make sure we haven't already reviewed it.
1: And uh, you can vote on those uh, album review tournaments. Nine albums a week for three weeks. And then the final six make it into the, the Tournament of Champions. By becoming a, a union member at Patreon, you go to dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com to become a patron member. It's also where you can read the box newsletter. Every week, our newsletter comes out with all the new releases relevant to 80s, 90s, and aughts music. Uh, reviews of, of albums, mostly books, documentaries, TV shows. Um Anything that comes out that's relevant to our podcast, we will we'll throw it on the calendar and we'll maybe do a couple reviews. Sometimes our patrons submit the reviews, which is nice because then I have less work to do. And I, <laughs> and I like doing less work. And often they're more qualified to review the records. Uh, that True. and know we are. But yeah. is, If somebody has a specialty, I prefer that they yeah. cover that because I don't necessarily have the vocabulary to talk about every record. Although I am, I'm trying to expand. like. The most recent one I did um an electronic record I did orbital and then yeah. I did a, a a melodic death metal album in flames I saw Those that you do, both... you do a lot of metal i I find myself Proud of you, wanting to do that because I do like metal it's just yeah. sometimes the vocals don't work for me Yep. Yeah. in flames was interesting because it was both like both a screamy record and a melodic <laughs> record so but that was cool I gave it a well, you'll have to read the review it box <laughs> to find out to how I discussed it. Uh, and lastly, Apple Podcasts. If you like the show, leave us some positive feedback. Darren, Federica, thank you so much for joining us on this show. This was a pleasure. Please on come. our Sundays, uh, I'm going to go and uh, do something Sunday-ish, like some laundry. <laughs> and uh, I hope you guys have a have a nice evening. I don't know what what shows are on in like in the, here. We would watch sixty minutes, and then uh, maybe Murder She Wrote. That's our typical Sunday <laughs> evening. Maybe we'll, we would watch Dukes, like had, of, we <laughs> Dukes of Hazard
3: on Sunday evenings. Uh, the into, used to be in Australia. Yeah, uh, six o'clock or something, seven o'clock. Yep. Yeah, yep. we got nope. the Simpsons, and
1: then uh, Jay. Anything else I'm missing on our on our Sunday evening watches uh, that uh, was key well Game of what? Thrones, obviously. Well, that's yes. Whatever the, whatever the prestige HBO show is. Right, the, the prestige our HBO list show. Right. Or uh, the Larry Sanders show. Six Feet Under. Six Feet Under, <laughs> yes. That was always our <laughs> Sunday Sunday viewing. Perhaps some Tales from the Crypt. Uh, uh yes. <laughs> wow. So whatever you're enjoying tonight, I, I hope it's as Don't good nothing. as that. We haven't
3: decided what we're watching yet. But, okay. Uh, we normally go to Netflix or Amazon Play, Prime, whatever it is, um, yeah. for our viewing
2: and then look through thumbnails for half an hour yeah like, what do you want to watch uh, i don't know
3: yeah i don't know not good of like i think we were flicking through last yeah. night and it was just i think we actually didn't watch anything like yeah it <laughs> just flipped through yeah, for a half can... hour and ready right for bed
2: yeah <laughs> I, I do the same thing with Netflix.
1: you know what i do now i go to youtube and yes. i will just like throw on like i don't want to watch a whole episode of saturday night live so i'll just watch like uh, one one bit, little yes. clip that's actually funny you know? <laughs> it's not that funny, is it? That show? <laughs> no, it's 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 like three out of ten skits are actually funny. Yeah,
3: that's it.
1: So if you can just watch the highlights, then that's that's yes. the way to go.
3: No, I agree. But thirty percent is not a pass, is it? You
1: know? <laughs> no, but somehow it stays on the air. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I feel like there's some sort of like deal with NBC where like they can never take that show off the air. Like it's yeah. just it's like in, it's got a clause. Like, if it goes down, the whole network goes down.
4: <laughs>
1: anyway, thank you so much for joining us. This thank you, was, you, guys. This was a blast to uh, steal from the album title. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to sign us off and say, for Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. This is me.